This is the Frontier Freedom Hour, sponsored by Centennial Institute at Colorado Christian University. Here's Jeff Hunt. All right, friends, you probably saw the election results coming out of Ohio with regards to this abortion ballot initiative. You're thinking Ohio. Ohio went for Trump by like eight points, didn't it? Isn't it pretty conservative, Republican? And then they just solidified into their constitution unrestricted abortion. Like, what? What is going on here? And it's not just Ohio. It seems like anywhere there's a ballot initiative, the pro-life side loses. And so I thought, gosh, let's dive into this. What is actually happening on the pro-life front with regards to ballot initiatives? I know a brilliant person. Her name's Nicole Hunt, writer and spokesperson for Focus on the Family's Daily Citizen. And if you're like, Hunt, yes, it's my wife. And we're going to have a little kind of like my cousin Vinny discussion here. I'm going to put her on the stand. I'll cross-examine her. We'll do the are you sure I'm positive thing. All right, Nicole Hunt, thank you so much for joining us. Nicole, what happened in Ohio? Yeah, you know, Ohio was basically the next domino to fall in the abortion lobby strategy, which is to march across America and insert a constitutional right into every state constitution. They lost it at the federal level, and now their mission is to protect abortion through every single state constitution in the union. State by state, they're going. And so it wasn't just Ohio. It's happened before. What, what happened in the months prior to Ohio and other states? That's right. So in the last basically year and a half since Roe was reversed in the Dobbs decision, there have been seven ballot measures, including Ohio this past week, seven ballot measures that have addressed the abortion issue. There were three measures that were life-affirming measures. If passed, they would have protected life in some way. And that was in Kansas, Kentucky, and Montana. And all three of those measures were defeated. At the same time, there were four, including Ohio this past week, four measures that were brought up that were pro-abortion measures to amend state constitutions. They were in Michigan last year. That probably was the most hotly contested. Uh, Vermont and California as well last year, and then this year, Ohio. And in every single one of those states, the pro-abortion lobby has won, and abortion has become a constitutional right protected in those state constitutions. And when we say abortion is protected, it is really abortion without any restrictions whatsoever at any point. So from the moment of conception all the way till like seconds before the child is born, you can terminate that life. And they are solid. I mean, these are becoming constitutional rights into these. So not easily removed, right? Yes. And I think what's most important as we talk about this is places, for instance, like Michigan and Ohio that have pro-life laws on the books. Once you insert a constitutional right to abortion, that changes the way in which we look at statutes. Is this statute still legal? given the constitutional protections that are now afforded to citizens of the state. And we've already seen this begin to happen in Michigan. The the governor there is trying to move to have parental consent reconsidered, waiting periods reconsidered. All of these laws are going to 
be up for a discussion about whether or not, and ultimately it's probably going to go through the court system and the courts are probably going to say, well, according to the state constitution, this is a constitutionally protected right. Therefore, the statute is now null and void. So I think after the fall of Roe v. Wade, we all said, well, you know, the crazy lib states, California, New York, they're going to allow unrestricted abortion. Colorado has now become, unfortunately, one of those states. But then we've, I think what's shocking is we've started to see generally conservative states allow for abortion constitutional protections as well. Why is that happening? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this gets at a much um, bigger issue that I think the pro-life movement needs to more seriously address. And it's the fact that what Americans say that they believe about abortion, the polling that's coming out on their beliefs about abortion, it does not correlate with how they are voting when it comes to these abortion amendments. So let me give you an example. Over the summer last summer was the most recent polling that Gallup did on abortion. And uh, in that, they asked about restrictions on abortion. Well, 64% of Americans said that they support some kind of restriction on abortion. In that same poll, they asked about late-term abortion, and 70% of Americans said that they believe that should be illegal. So given those numbers, you would think that a ballot measure legalizing abortion through all stages of a woman's pregnancy would not pass. However, it did, and it did in Ohio, and it did in Michigan, places where you would think there are more pro-life voters. Now, as we talked about at the beginning, it passed by pretty high, by pretty high margin, 14 points. The numbers were 57 to 43. Now, that doesn't correlate with the 64% of Americans that say that abortion should be restricted or the 70% that say there shouldn't be late-term abortion. So what we're seeing here is that when it comes to the ballot box, there are other motivations that are moving the electorate to vote for unrestricted abortion. And the pro-life movement needs to take a look at this. We need to get engaged in trying to figure out what is happening here. I would opine that what is happening is that the abortion lobby is very, very effective at spreading misinformation and fear to win elections. And what we heard in Michigan and what we heard in Ohio was that if this abortion amendment didn't pass, women were going to die. Now, is that true? Of course not. And in fact, in Ohio, abortion is permissible up until 22 weeks. So women were still getting abortions in Ohio and they weren't dying. But this is the lie that continues to be perpetrated by the abortion lobby. And they're, it's winning. They're using it and it's winning all across America, unfortunately. We're talking to Nicole Hunt, writer and spokesperson for Focus on the Family's Daily Citizen. I mean, do you think it's just kind of fear-mongering campaign tactics? I actually think there's a larger cultural issue at stake here. For the last three generations, 60-plus years, our culture has embraced uh, the sexual revolution, sexual promiscuity. There's always a way out of actually having to build a family. So you can go out there and live kind of a quote, carefree lifestyle. I don't think it's carefree at all. I actually think it results in a lot of pain and suffering. But you can go out there to the bars. You can go embrace the hookup culture. You can join the fraternity and the sorority and embrace that kind of wildness in your own individual lifestyle. And there's always a way out of it. And and abortion provides that ultimate way out. And so when you're analyzing kind of why do even conservative states allow this on the books, on its laws, in its constitution. I think there may be people that go, yeah, I think abortion's bad, 
but you know, I still kind of want that way out. Uh, do you think that plays into it at all? I certainly think that culture is a major factor in why people say one thing but then vote another. And ultimately, I do think that the abortion lobby is effective with their scare tactics, trying to persuade people to embrace a more radical position on abortion. For instance, passing an unrestricted you know, law to allow abortion in, in the state. But I will say that it's those people in the middle. It's, it's not the convictional pro-abort or the convictional pro-lifers. It's the folks in the middle who aren't exactly sure what they believe that don't exactly have clear convictions when it comes to abortion, that the culture has influenced them to think that they might need to use it as a backup birth control, and ultimately that think that um, these scare tactics are true, that they believe the lies of the left. So I think it's I think it's all of these factors rolled up into one, and mostly I think it's, it's affecting those Americans who are in the middle who really aren't convictional on the issue, but they don't know what to believe, and they're listening to the loudest voices in the square. And right now that happens to be the abortion lobby. What did the exit polls show out of Ohio? Uh, were there different demographic breakdowns that supported this? Well, I can tell you heading into it that there was a moment, there was momentum on life. And I think that's one of the things that was really um, discouraging about the Ohio loss. There actually seemed to be a number of positive changes to pro-life strategy that suggested there was going to be a better outcome. Um, For instance, there was more funding spent on the pro-life side in Ohio than there was in Michigan. There was better ballot language humanizing the pre-born baby. There was polling that suggested that we were going in the right direction, that more people were interested in protecting life. There were also um, high, the, the highly elected uh, state officials were involved. The governor was involved. Um, I think the state senator or the, the federal senator was involved, all advocating for the pro-life side. And there were even much more concerted efforts among pro-life organizations to work together. Um, Ultimately, I think that for uh, for the folks who are coming out, what mattered, at least I heard what mattered about the vote was that it was an extreme position, that it would, for pro-lifers coming out, that the fact that abortion was going to be permitted uh, at the late stages of pregnancy was, was too extreme. Now, I, well, I don't know how effective there was also similar messaging about the parental issue, because one thing that we haven't discussed yet, but this is a major issue, and in fact, it may find its way to the courts, is the fact that this law could very well invalidate parental notification that's already on the books and potentially even allow youths and minors to be able to get not only abortions, but transgender medical intervention without any parental engagement. And so these are all factors that I think played a role, but it's hard to say at this point exactly um, how effective the messaging was for different audiences. Nicole Hunt's writer and spokesperson for Focus on the Family's Daily Citizen. We're talking about Ohio's crazy election this past week where they not only embraced unrestricted abortion, but now pot. And the question I just, my goodness, what state has implemented legal pot and turned out really well? Um, They're all like cars stuck in a ditch right now. California, New York, Colorado, and Ohio's like, hey, let's follow the same idea and same plan. Oh, my goodness. All right. So when we come back, I'm going to talk to Nicole about pro-life strategies moving forward. What do we do now as a result of just kind of continued losses at the ballot box? 
You're not going to want to miss it. Friends, you're listening to the Frontier Freedom Hour, sponsored by the Centennial Institute at Colorado Christian University. We'll be right back.